Welcome to Dad Up, the podcast show for dads about dads being dads. I'm your host, Brian Ward. Thank you for listening. If you're new to the show, I hope you enjoy listening. Please make sure you subscribe so you don't miss anything. My guest today on Dad Up is Brad Blazer. Brad is an effective sales leader and best-selling author who over a decade ago set out on a mission to compile stories from his prior business experience as founder and CEO of a small oil company and the encounters from meetings and speaking events with some of the world's best leaders in sports, business, and politics. Through his efforts, his teams have organized raising capital for some of the financial service industry's leading firms. Throughout his career, he and and the teams he has led have raised over $2 billion. He is also the founder of The Art of Beliefology, believing that you have the power to change your beliefs and your future. In addition to all this, he has authored books like On the Wings of Eagles, Put Some Thrive in Your Hive, and his newest book set to arrive on bookshelves this year, Blueprint for Your Better Self, all a must-read that will certainly help you to perform at your best. In our conversation, he goes into great depths on what being a dad has meant to him and the lessons he has had to learn in the process of parenting. Please welcome Brad Blazer to Dad Up. Brad, thank you very much for joining me on Dad Up today. I appreciate you taking the time out of your day to uh, share your dad experiences with me. Um, so it's an honor and pleasure to have you on, my friend. Thank you so much. Great to be here. Uh, for my listeners who don't know who you are, can you tell me a little bit about yourself, kind of your backstory, and then uh, also how many kids you have? Yeah, so simple about myself. Uh, my name is Brad Blazer. I'm an international coach and a two-time author. Uh, my background really started when I was an entrepreneur in the oil and gas industry. I started a company at the age of 23 when <laughs> most of my friends were just getting out of college. And so I didn't know much about running a business. Uh, I built up over the course of about a decade to a, a multi-million dollar platform where, you know, we had 35 employees. We were raising millions of dollars a month from investors all across the United States. And in the late 1980s, early 90s, two things happened that changed my life forever. One, oil prices collapsed. Two, tax laws changed. And so I found myself, unfortunately, the victim of that and dissolved the company. Uh, kind of pivoted a little bit and asked myself, what is my primary skill? What is it that I'm really, really good at? And I realized I was really good at raising money and closing sales. And so over the course of about 20 years, I've raised over $2 billion dollars. Uh, for projects that I've been involved in or for other entrepreneurs, largely in real estate. And I've kind of turned that now into a coaching program where I teach people the skills and the strategies I've used to close multi-million dollar deals, uh, many of which have been, you know, 10, 11 million plus. And today I'm a father to a beautiful nine-year-old, a husband to a wonderful wife, and just having the time of my life. Did you always have an, a, a dream to kind of be an entrepreneur or were you kind of headed down a different path before you? You know, the answer to being an entrepreneur is no. Um, I think a lot of people uh, in the generation that I grew up in where, you know, really it was a, the baby boomer generation. We were taught by our parents or really the expectations of our parents were to be that, you know, we're saving money, we're going to put you to college, Uh, when you come out of college, you know, you're going to get a job, you're going to be a professional, you're going to have a career. And so that was largely for me, uh, the expectations. Uh, And I guess when I went off to college, the vision I had, the goals I had at that time were really to become an architect. And so I went to school uh, studying architecture, that was my chosen major. 
And then in my fourth year as a senior uh, in a five-year program, because architecture is five years, I uh, got sidetracked. I just responded to an ad in the local newspaper, uh, went to work for a small oil company, getting on the phone, calling investors, raising capital, became really, really good at that, and then went to work for a second company, got even better. But unfortunately, as I explained in my book, the ethics of the second company weren't quite aligned with mine. Uh, we found out that they were misleading and lying to investors, and so I resigned. Uh, we filed a lawsuit, but that allowed me to move forward with my investor base, and ultimately they backed me, and that's what allowed me to go into business as an entrepreneur at the young age of 23. And, you know, the real funny thing is now that I look back, I didn't know the first thing about running a company. I knew absolutely right. nothing about starting a business. Right. You know, here I am, a 23-year-old kid dropping out of college. My parents are going ballistic because the vision they had for me was you're going to graduate in college and get a corporate job and have a career. And here I am dropping out of school telling them that, you know, hey, I'm starting a business. And so uh, for a short period of time, uh, I kind of chuckle now that I became the black sheep of the family, you know, the, the, the college dropout. But uh, the day I came driving home in a brand-new sports car, uh, things turned around for me very quickly. For now, I guess I was being introduced as a J.R.U.ing of the family. And uh, as they say, the rest is history. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's awesome. Did you, do you have any regrets? Uh, you know, I don't have any regrets at all. Um, it was a great time in my life. I have absolutely no regrets. Really, I guess maybe if I could change things um, and go back, I would have preferred maybe to have raised the same amount of money and invested in real estate rather than oil and gas for the simple reason that, you know, when you drill an oil well, there's always the risk of drilling a dry hole and basically losing the entire investment. Uh, I've learned over the years that real estate's a little bit more stable, a little bit more predictable uh, investment vehicle. But other than that, have absolutely no regrets. It was, you know, great experience, learned a lot about business, learned a lot about myself. And as a result of that, I just had a fantastic career uh, in financial services, raising capital for other people, because that's really what I came to realize was my primary skill and what I was really good at. And so by designing content and by writing books and offering coaching programs around that skill, uh, it's allowed me to just build a really, really great global business. Cool. Well, kind of uh, segueing into your dad role, what do you, you know, you have a nine-year-old, a boy or a girl? I have a nine-year-old daughter. Uh, her name is Brooke. Okay. And uh, what do you enjoy most about being a dad? You know, I think really the thing that I enjoy most about being a dad is just watching somebody mature and kind of stepping in to their full potential. I think when you have a child, so many times the kid doesn't really see their full potential. And, you know, as a dad, you kind of nurture them. You kind of prod them along. It's almost like a bird, you know, pushing the little baby chick out of the nest. Mm -hmm. They kind of, you know, take wings. And so as my daughter's grown up and gotten older, really, I think the most exciting thing for me is to just see her level of confidence increase and see her become more confident. Um, she just got accepted by a dance company, you know, as an example, where she had to try out. She had to make a video, and that's competitive. And so, you know, there's competitions. And so, you know, it's kind of like being a varsity uh, football team. Right. And so just, you know, seeing that for her and what that's done, uh, that's probably one of the most exciting things, uh, being a father. It's just really seeing 
how your children mature and kind of step into their own persona, uh, kind of develop new friendships and really just kind of become, you know, I won't say a friend, but somebody that you can have engaging conversations with and really, you know, get to know uh, as you build a relationship as they get older and they get to a different level of maturity in how they think and how they can communicate with you. No, you're right. And, it, you know, their, their maturity obviously changes as they grow older and their level of responsibility uh, increases and um, the confidence that they need in order to um, accomplish the things that they want to accomplish as they grow, you know, through their teenage years. I mean, you're, you're, you're still a few years away from the teenage years, but you're getting there. And, um, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Well, the funny thing is that, you know, at the age of nine, she already thinks she's a teenager. Right, right. <laughs> Every now and then you've got to set them straight and kind of turn them around and redirect them a little bit, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, I, don't, I don't have any girls. I have two boys. Um, my boys are a bit older. Their one is 21 and my younger one is uh, 18. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I, I still like to watch them grow and mature and develop as, as they grow older, even though they're technically adults now. Well, cool. What what challenges do you face? Well, you know, it's kind of getting back to what I just said, is having a nine-year-old that thinks she's 16. (laughs) You know, um, it's really, you know, not challenges, but I guess, you know, when you have kids and they get to certain, uh, I guess, levels of maturity, you know, they start to push back. Um, you know, they, they try to create their own identity, of course, thinking that they're so much smarter than you are as a parent. And so, you know, there's that constant, I, I guess you call it, you know, good uh, friction, you know. Yeah. Uh, and so it, it's really a little bit of that. I won't say it's a challenge, but, you know, it's uh, the frustration I guess you get in just being a parent as your kid matures and starts pushing back and starts trying to set their own boundaries and saying no to this and no to that. Uh, you know, the other challenge really, I guess, which, you know, most dads, most fathers really have to compete with is understanding that, you know, to have an extraordinary life and to really uh, be truly successful, uh, it's a sacrifice. And so, you know, it's a sacrifice of time. It's a sacrifice of, uh, you know, do I, uh, you know, attend my daughter's event or do I get on this big podcast or do I, uh, you know, travel to go see a big potential customer or do I say no and try to reschedule for a, another day and another time? And so I think that, you know, just being an entrepreneur, there, there are those challenges as well. Yeah, entrepreneurs, uh, entrepreneurs find it, um, have, have that challenge. And, you know, and there's, there's a challenge with people that, that work in the corporate world. I mean, um, you have, you have events and stuff at schools and stuff like that, that if you're working a, a nine to five, you may not be able to make it to, but, as an entrepreneur, you have so many more commitments that you have to fulfill and it's your livelihood. That's your, that's your, that's where you make your money. So it's, it's definitely hard to, uh, to pick and choose, but sometimes, sometimes you have to make that choice for your family. Yes, you do. And, you know, I think the, the goodness that came out of where I was in my life and having coaches that have coached me and just the type of life that I know I want to live is, uh, you know, I pulled my wife and my daughter together and I just kind of said, it's time to have a little family powwow. And it was uh, one night many months ago uh, after dinner where we all made some ice cream sundaes. And I just sat down at the kitchen table and I said, I want to have a heart to heart with you. Um, you know, you're obviously very close to me and uh, I want to let you know that I do not want to live an ordinary life. 
And they yeah. kind of looked at me like, you know, well, what do you mean by that? And I said, I want the Learjet. You know, I want multiple houses. Uh, you know, I want to make millions. I want to be a person of interest. I want to have followers. And I want you to know that that's my dream. And in order for us to live that type of an extraordinary life, it takes sacrifice. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you have to realize that, you know, you are going to be competing for my time. And there are going to be times that I'm not here. But it's because I love you and I want an extraordinary life. And they looked at me and they said, okay, we support you. Uh, we understand. And that really changed things dramatically because I find that a lot of times as a successful entrepreneur or even as somebody successful living in corporate America, one of the big reasons people end up in divorce is that the spouse or the kids compete for time and they don't get it. And they don't understand that the husband loves them, cherishes them, and a lot of times is doing what it is they're doing because of the love they have for their kids or for their family, and they just want to give them everything that they deserve. And so I think that what you have to really understand is how to build a life of congruity where the people that are closest to you support you, and if you can figure out a way to actually bring them into the business where they work alongside you and support you that way, of course, that's even better. And so that's kind of what we're trying to do uh, in our business is to involve my wife and eventually involve my daughter so that there's congruity and so that we're all working together uh, for the common good and the common cause. Mm. Yeah, that's, that's great. Yeah, a strong support system uh, is certainly uh, an added bonus for sure. Absolutely, 100%. Now, what's, what would you say is one lesson you learned from your own parents uh, that you've maybe used in your parenting style? You know, I think one lesson I've learned from my parents is to have a level of trust and to build that trust over time, but more importantly, let the child know that there is a level of expectations and and things that you expect of them. Uh, You know, one thing I learned in school, which is kind of carried over to my life as a father, is really kids tend to rise to the level of expectations that you put upon them. And, you know, I feel that so many parents are too easy on their kids. Uh, And that's why, you know, in school we have a lot of uh, kids that are not doing well. We have a lot of kids that just, you know, don't perform well in academics. Uh, And then you see other kids that just excel. And so what I really learned from my parents and what I kind of try to instill with my daughter is I have high expectations for her. And a lot of times, you know, she'll look at me and she'll be frustrated and she'll say, Dad, I can't do that. And I just have to sit her down and say, don't let me ever hear you say the words, you can't do that. Change your vocabulary. Use Daddy, I'm learning or Daddy, I'm trying. A couple of weeks ago, we were out, and uh, she was doing some of her gymnastic stuff, and she said, Eddie, can you do cartwheel for me? <laughs> so, you know, here I am. I'm trying to do my best cartwheel, and I did a horrible one, and I just said, I can't do that. And she looked at me, and she said, Daddy, <laughs> let me remind you. <laughs> Don't ever say you can't do that. You're learning. You're trying. Uh, and it's great that she actually adopted what it was I was trying to instill in her, and now that I see her growing up and really trying her best at her dance camp and, of course, in her, uh, her, her coaching with her coaches and dance, uh, it really is something that, you know, has resonated with me. And I think that more parents have to understand that your kids have nothing but a desire to please you. 
they're looking for love. They're looking for affirmation. Andy, I was on a call just yesterday with a former Major League Baseball superstar that was one of the most phenomenal athletes in the state, went on to be drafted by the Boston Red Sox. I mean, he was living his life. And he finally, after seven years retired, he said, the reason I left is I just never was able to get the love and the admiration of my dad. I felt I was always competing for that. And I said, wow, you know, what a, what a terrible story to hear. But that kind of reframed my thinking and said, I don't want to be that dad. I, I don't want to be the person that when my kids are telling their kids or they're you know, on a podcast or they're sharing their, their, their backstory, having to ever say that I was competing for my dad's love or I grew up in a household where I felt like my dad just didn't love me. I just, I don't want to be that father. Yeah. No, I agree. And it sounds like you have to uh, start working on your uh, cartwheels. <laughs> yes, I do. <laughs> Somersault, cartwheels, headstands, right. <laughs> all the above. <laughs> so cool. Now, um, now she's uh, a nine-year-old, and you said going on sixteen. So, and you said that times she can she can challenge you a little bit. But how do you handle when it comes to discipline? How do you handle discipline with how do you and your your wife handle it? Well, you know, I think the most important thing is uh, in parenting, you both have to be on the same page. Right. And, you know, what my wife quickly realized a few years ago is if one of us said, no, oh, of course, the little girl ran down the hall, asked the other, and, of course, the other would say yes because you weren't on the same page. <laughs> and then, of course, that created conflict. And so, uh, you know, we quickly sat down as parents and said, you know, we have to be supportive of each other. If I say no, you basically have to tell her, you know, daddy's already said no, no, you're not going to do that. And she's going to go fuming out of the room, but she's going to quickly learn that, you know, you can't pit your parents against each other uh, because that's not going to work. And so really in, in parenting and in, I guess, you know, scolding, reprimanding, whatever it is you want to call it, um, you know, one thing we don't spank, we don't slap. Uh, we really try to sit down with her now that she's old enough and there's a little maturity and just say, you know, hey, we have a problem here. And here's what the problem is. How do you think it makes us feel when you do that? And I just say, well, what do you, what do you, or what do you think would be proper if you do this again? In other words, basically what she's doing is she's dictating the sentence. If she gets caught doing it again, you know, do you think it makes sense for us to ground you? Do you think it makes sense for us to take your iPad away? And, you know, basically if she does it again and we end up grounding her for a day or we end up taking her iPad away, she can't really get mad at us because essentially she gave herself her own sentence. And so we kind of use that approach and ask her, what do you think is right for punishment if this continues? Mm. And uh, by doing it that way and kind of turning the tables, it really, for us, has helped tremendously as parents because she realizes that if she's getting caught doing it again, she's going to suffer the consequences. And she really can't get mad at us. The only person she can get mad at is herself because she essentially agreed to or dictated that would be the sentence or that would be the penalty if she got caught doing something again. Right. Did you uh, ever find her trying to uh, give herself a lesser sentence? Than punishment? <laughs> well, what do you think? What do you think should be your punishment? Well, I think I would let it slide this time. 
Yeah, she's always trying to get out. But, you know, it's uh, she's a good kid. I mean, you know, she's at an age now where, you know, and I guess now with coronavirus, you know, it's a lot more difficult for kids to play and congregate and go out and do the stuff that, you know, normally they're supposed to be doing. So, you know, there's a lot of FaceTime and there's a lot of getting with her friends and groups online and, you know, doing stuff like that. So maybe maybe this coronavirus has temporarily uh, helped parenting in the sense that kids cannot go out and get in trouble as a group because they're inside their own house. But at the same time, I think that, you know, kids have developed cabin fever. Uh, they definitely want to get out. They definitely want to play. They definitely want right. to go out and goof around and do the stuff that kids, of course, you know, always want to do. Uh, but at the end of the day, I think as a parent, you know, you just kind of need to set the boundaries and, and let your child know that, you know, this is this is what's expected. And uh, right. you know, if you step outside the lines, yeah, there's a little bit of latitude and a little bit of leeway, but, uh, you know, let's not take advantage of it. <laughs> No, I agree. I agree. Now, what do you wish you knew before you had kids or a daughter before you, that you know now? You know, I don't know that I wish I knew anything. Uh, I guess you kind of learn as you go. Um, I guess maybe what I wish I had knew is just how much fun having a child is and what a wonderful experience it is. And, uh, you know, perhaps if I had known that, I uh, would have had them earlier in life because it's been nothing but a blessing and just an absolute bunch of fun. Um, you know, I kind of waited to have kids somewhat late in life. I, you know, kind of focused on my career and uh, kind of put off having children. And uh, if I had known just how exciting and how fun it was, uh, probably would have started having them a little bit earlier. Um, you know, and then the other thing, too, I guess, is, uh, you know, having kids doesn't come with a, a user's manual. <laughs> it doesn't come with right. an instruction guide. You know, uh, each kid is uniquely different. And, uh, you know, I even see that in families that we're very friendly with that have, you know, three kids or four kids. And I ask the parents, you know, are the kids somewhat the same? And they're like, oh, hell no. They're all so different. You know, they all, you know, they all, you know, they all have their own unique identity, and uh, you know, they're all uniquely different in uh, in how they think and how they act, and you know everything else. And so, you know, I've got a niece and nephew that have four little kids, uh, from a little infant all the way up to about a eight year old. And, uh, you know, they're all boys. And I just kind of smile and I just say, Cody, man, you get your hands full. You get four little boys. Man, you know, it's going to be a lot of work. And she said, oh, yeah, they're all just so, so different. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's cool. Yeah, my boys are. My boys are definitely different. Their personalities are different. And the the one thing that I do like about them is they get along really well. Um, and it's, they're at an age now where they're, you know, they're mature. So they, they're, they're grown up and to hear them even today, you know, like they're, they're home now away, you know, they're both, my younger son's going to be starting college in the fall. My older son's going to be graduating, uh, this next year. So he's a senior in, in yep. college. And, uh, so they're both home, but, to hear them just, I could be in the other room and just hear them in, you know, the living room, the dining room, and they're just chatting away. And I still, I still love it to this day, you know, it's, <laughs> it's so cool to, just to hear them just conversing about whatever that is they're talking about. Sometimes it's funny and, you know, sometimes it's serious, but, um, yep. but they both have different personalities. They both see things differently. Um, and I like that part of it. I actually like that yeah. part of it. Um, yeah, I think, you know, one of, one of the most hysterical things that my, my wife and I will do is, uh, you know, we have, of course, the uh, the Alexa, Amazon Alexa. And so right. 
we have one upstairs in the playroom. We have one downstairs in our family room. We got uh, the Alexas for the automobiles so we can play music and stuff like that. But, you know, when my daughter has friends over, is we'll just say, Alexa, you know, spy on upstairs. And so we're just kind of listening in. And uh, it's so funny and hilarious. The stuff that eight and nine year old girls talk about in the conversation, and we're just downstairs, I'm just bawling, just laughing, uh, you know. And then of course the girls will come downstairs for some lemonade or for a snack break, and we get big smells on our face, and they're right. like, "What's so funny?" <laughs> you know, we're just trying to contain ourselves, and so we'll just like let out a little hint, and then of course they'll they'll go fuming upstairs, like you know we were spying on them. But uh, it's so funny, just uh, you know the the conversation that they will. Have have and I would imagine you know as she gets older and starts talking about dating and boys and stuff like that when she gets into junior high and high school uh you know that'll be an entirely different conversation yeah. and uh you know something else of course that we'll find very funny as well <laughs> yeah <laughs> well cool um if I were to ask your daughter to tell me something about her dad what would you hope she would say about you Oh, boy. Uh, you know, <laughs> uh, there was a period of time about four years ago where she thought her dad was Captain Underpants. I certainly hope it wouldn't be that. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I would say that uh, he approaches life uh, with a sense of humor and uh, tries to find a little bit of fun in uh, everything he does, uh, irregardless of how challenging, how time-consuming, or how frustrating it is. Uh, it's one of the things that I've kind of shared with her is that if you can build a business or you can do something for work that you find joy in, it's not work. And right. so um, I think that what she would probably say is, uh, you know, my dad loves what he does. And uh, he doesn't view it as work. He views it as helping people change, helping people become more successful. And uh, he tries to find humor and a little bit of fun in everything he does and how he approaches life. That's awesome. That's good. Uh, I'm glad to hear that. Uh, yeah. It sounds like you're... Sounds like you're leading the right path for your daughter. That's that's awesome. I sure hope so. You know, um, <laughs> you know, um, you never really know. Uh, you know, the good thing, at least in my family, is I've got three siblings. I've got a brother and two sisters. And, uh, you know, knock on wood, none of us ever were in trouble with the law. You know, none of us ever were involved in drugs. Uh, I'm sure we tried it here and there in college. But, I mean, you know, we were never, quote, druggies. Uh, you know, all are happily married with kids. And, um, you know, I think that that's just uh, what I'm trying to instill for my daughter is, and I think the way you do that is uh, you have to have a loving, supporting household. And, you know, there'll always be conflict between spouses and you have to take that outside the room. Uh, you know, basically you're going to have disagreements, but, you know, you, you just quickly realize you don't ever want to get upset at your spouse in front of your kids so that all your kids see is a healthy relationship. Because at yeah. some point, you know, hopefully she's going to go off, she's going to start dating, and she's going to fall in love. And I want her to have a vision of what a husband and what a partner looks like. And I realize I'm the only person really that can instill that in her. You know, if I right. yell, if I scream, um, she's going to grow up thinking that that's the way a marriage is. And um, right. that's, that's not what I want for her. I want her to you know, grow up and be uh, in a loving and supporting relationship. And so it's really, to some degree, you know, leading by example and letting her know that, 
when you finally do fall in love and find somebody you want to spend the rest of your life with, I would hope that the environment you're able to create is exactly the same or better than what it was you experienced when, you know, you live with mommy and daddy. Right. No, you're right. Um, you, you're, you certainly have to, dis- what she's witnessing is how you treat your wife. So how yeah. a woman should, uh, should be, treated. should be treated. Exactly. And, um, so she's going to carry that. And, um, so it's good. It's good that you understand that now because uh, at such a, you know, nine years old, she's still, she's still young at such a young age for, um, for her to see that is awesome. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah, she's still, I guess, in those formative years, uh, yeah. you know, they say that you start formulating really your beliefs, you know, between the age of seven and 12 and you carry most of that obviously into adulthood. So, you know, she still has a couple of years and, you know, you're absolutely right because, you know, she has to see what is expected in the way a woman should be treated. <laughs> Very cool. Well, um, if my listeners wanted to look you up, kind of learn a little bit more about you, where can they find you? And then also what do you have going on this year that you're looking forward to? Yeah, absolutely, Brian. Uh, you know, the easiest way to find me is social media. I've got Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn. I got my two books, of course, on Amazon. Uh, my name is Brad Blazar, and the last name is spelled B like boy, L A V like zebra, A R. Just make sure at the end you put an A instead of an E, which is a very common mistake, but it's Blazar, L V A R. Find me on Instagram or go to my website, www.bradblazar.com. Uh, we got coaching, we got t shirts, we got baseball caps. Uh, it really just reinforces the message that I'm trying to communicate to constantly be a beast. Beast is a little bit different than best. We have the A in there for bringing the positive attitude every day. And, uh, you know, really the big things I'm working on this year is uh, I'm launching later this month a big uh, five day boot camp that we're really, really excited about. It's called the Rise Above. Uh, we're going to be promoting it here in about another week on all of our social media. And uh, really, it's just a five-day boot camp for people that are in sales or entrepreneurs that really want to understand the strategies of overcoming objections, want to understand how to create a closer's mindset, because there's definitely a big difference between being a salesperson and being a closer. Mm-hmm. And having set the records of closing the largest sales for multiple companies, 11 million, 9 million, seven and a half, where the commissions alone are sometimes six figures, uh, I understand what that difference is and for really teachable so that they can earn a lot more. Because at the end of the day, you know, to make more money, it's one of two things. You either close more sales or you're making a commission on a much larger sale so that you're getting paid more. And uh, this boot camp is really going to be designed to just focus on that. So that's called Rise Above. And then the the other big project is uh, finishing my third book. which will hopefully be released and out sometime uh, October, November. Uh, It'll be called Blueprint for Your Better Self. It really uh, is exactly what it says. It's a a roadmap and a blueprint for understanding where your limiting beliefs and where your self-doubts came from, recognizing what they are, how they're holding you back from greater success, and then really how to crush them. Uh, walk through them and go on to hopefully reach a, a much greater level of potential and success by understanding some skills and some tricks that I've learned from others on how to hack your brain and how to re-engineer yourself for greatness. That's awesome. I, I appreciate you being on, uh, Brad. I appreciate uh, everything that you're doing. Um, I certainly wish you all the best in um, uh, your success, and um, I wish you all the best with this uh, uh, new book as well. So uh, Thank you so much. Honor and pleasure to have you on, my friend. 
Thank you so much. It's been good to be here with you today, Brian. I really enjoyed it. And, uh, you know, wish all your listeners uh, happiness. Be safe. Be well. Uh, heed the advice of all of the experts. Wear your mask. Wash your hands. <laughs> you know. Right. Uh, right. But, uh, you know, it's really at the end of the day, you know, I was having a conversation with another person I was interviewing for my podcast, Beast Nation. Uh, we were talking about the concept in corporate America of, quote, servant leader, you know, being a servant leader. Mm-hmm. And it really is just, you know, placing the interest of others ahead of yourself and uh, really making yourself uh, available. And I, I think that in being a parent and, and being a father to a nine-year-old, uh, I, I hate to use that phrase, but, you know, you really want to be a servant leader to your kids and realize that it's not about me, 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 or I, I, I. Uh, it's really about you and making them understand that, you know, they are the one thing in life you cherish more than anything else. Yeah. Um, and if you if you focus on that message each and every day, uh, become a great parent and uh, raise great kids, uh, great, great things happen. Awesome. Well, look, Brad, it's been an honor and pleasure, my friend. I appreciate you uh, sharing your uh, experiences with me. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Anytime. Thank you again to Brad for talking with me on Dad Up. As you heard, Brad takes pride in his role as a dad and hopes the lessons he is teaching his daughter will carry her to great success. Brad certainly represents the Dad Up community very well. Thank you as always for listening to the show. And as I said before, please subscribe. It is also so important that you share the show with others. The only way the show continues to get noticed is if you're sharing it. If you have comments or questions, please let me know. You can message me on my Instagram page at Dad Up Podcast. I read all your comments and questions and respond to them all. As always, I'm your host, Brian Ward. Thank you for listening. This is Dad Up.